You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Always aggravated. A Mike Valenti signature podcast. So this week on Always Aggravated, we got a good one for you. A little bit March Madness, a little bit lousy franchises. Our next edition of that, the Washington Wizards. But we have a sit-down with Vinny Maliulo, 40-year vet of the gambling industry. Co-host My Guys in the Desert with Brent Musburger, weekdays 6 to 8 on VSIN uh, or Sirius XM 204. We ask him, March Madness for an odds maker, a bookmaker. How do you do it? What goes into it? Really interesting, wide-ranging conversation on that. And like I said, we'll even give you a little dirt on the Wizards. So, take a listen. Vinny Maliulo, 40-year vet of the gambling industry. Let me let me ask you this. It, yeah. It's because it, I heard you talk a little bit about it and I was fascinated. It's kind of the give me the over under on sleep for you between now and Easter Sunday. Well, listen, we sleep's overrated, right? I mean, you know, uh, so I grew up in New York, Sinatra sang it, the city that never sleeps. I come here, we're open 24/7. So you just uh, basically take naps. I'm, I'm kind of living at the at the South Point for this week. This is actually a, a busier week than the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl builds up its one game. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all the props and everything like that. Uh, uh, you know, New Year's uh, you get through the game by game situation, but this is sustained. You know, for these first four days are just nonstop. Uh, even when there's a bit of a break between the games, because that's when everybody's reloading, and you know that's when we're recharging. So uh, I tell people all the time, I say, you know, they say, Vinny, is it is it true that this this business is twenty four seven? I tell them, no, it's a, that's an exaggeration. It's really twenty five eight. It's no, I mean this. Well, that was one of the things too. Is is you know the the average better sits back and they look, oh hey look the numbers are up. Oh that yeah. was magical. They don't understand what goes into it, and to a certain extent, I don't understand. And I, I thought your conversation was fascinating about creating these numbers and yeah. kind of. I, I mean, Vin, you've been in the industry for almost forty years. How do you compare the way you used to do it, information-wise, techniques, technology, yeah. to the way you're doing it now? Great, great question. Because you know, forty years ago, first of all, it wasn't the event that it is now. And again, so so let's put it into context, guys. You know, the Super Bowl is is still the single most wagered event of the year. So, uh, for a single game a single event uh, this year 146 million dollars bet on the Super Bowl but 
March Madness, because it's it, it encompasses two and a half weeks, mm-hmm. it's about two and a half times that. And there are many more tickets written on it. But so what we used to do was, you know, the pairings came out. There wasn't, you know, we didn't have to put the games up until Monday or Tuesday. So we had plenty of time. You just, we used to, you know, I used to go home on Sunday uh, once the finals were put in for the conference tournaments and simply, all right, let's look at it. Let's look at the regions. And uh, what we did was back then we would put up the, the overall future book first and then the regions. Well, now, you know, you got a situation where it's become so big, we said, listen, you know what? And if you guys look, there's a, there's a piece in the New York Post today that actually talks about how we did it. Uh, Chris Andrews, uh, who's the director at South Point, um, our colleague and friend Rich Bachelary and I, we sat down, we independently made our own numbers, and then we compared them and put them in. That part, and I don't mean to trivialize it, is pretty straightforward. The logistics of it, guys, is this. So now with everything computerized, you've got to assign for betting interest numbers so that when you walk to the counter, it's not just the team you want to bet, but there's a number associated with that team Mm -hmm. to put into the computer. So the first game tomorrow is Minnesota, uh, Minnesota and Louisville. Well, so there's got to be a central, and there is, a centralized uh, gathering point for all these numbers. So there's folks at that entity watching the, the pairings come in. They assign those numbers. Then we put in the odds, and you've got to set up every game at the same time. Why? Because the time changes don't come out until the next day. So you have the logistics of it, uh, as well as now the odds-making side of it, uh, and, and But you know what? Uh, I'll credit the staff uh, all the way around for, for the job they did because within an hour we had uh, every game posted for this, for this tournament, which was uh, uh, we did it the last uh, two years as well. So this is the third straight year we did it, and uh, credit the staff, and it was very well received. And you had people betting anywhere from 500 to uh, $10,000 per, uh, per bet. No, it's it's interesting because when when you look at kind of the way it used to be and the way it is now, I would imagine the computers have at least saved you from that oh shit moment that your number's like three or four points off of another shop's number. Has it kind of normalized it to where, okay, hey, I may be a half point off or there's a point differential versus maybe in the old days there would have been a looser number? Yeah, good good question, Mike. You're able to track what's uh, what's happening around the industry a lot easier now. There was a time when there was not that the ability to to you had literally be on the phone calling people or colleagues and things like that. Uh, but by the same token, when you're first, you're uh, you're putting your opinion on the line, and uh, so uh, you, you 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 know you're you're. Especially when you're taking a, a, a big bet to it, you know when you're willing to take ten ten thousand or ten dimes, as we say, uh, then you know you you got to make sure that uh, you've got certainly confidence in your numbers, which which we do, uh, because the betters uh, you know are betting with with conviction, especially professionals that are betting that that amount. So yeah, you know. He, there's really there was nothing else to compare it to when we put them up. We were the first ones to put them up, so you're you're out there. Yeah, and uh, you know, but but you know that going in. In our case, we knew that going in, and uh, uh, but we welcomed it too. And of course, 
you know, the publicity side of that is also uh, worth uh, worth quite a bit as well. No, it, it, the other thing, too, and I, I I don't know, maybe this is just me being a, a radio host, and then I, I come out to Vegas, and, and I always track the lines. And we do a Sunday NFL show here. We track uh-huh. the lines, and we sure. come out for March Madness. But here's the thing, and this is I always feel like Vegas has a pipeline to information that no one else has. When someone gets hurt and it ain't on the board, but you look at a number and you go, damn, that looks strange, you guys know. Now, I don't know how you know, but you know. Well, Michael, you know, it's uh, that's that's a good point, and it's an interesting point. Sometimes we don't always know at first, uh, but what we'll do is that's where you're, you know, you have limits, and, uh, you, you know, that, that's somewhat of a protection. But what we do, and at South Point, one of our philosophies is uh, we embrace uh, – sophisticated betters, uh, you know, professionals. And what I mean by that is those are the ones that are, are you have to respect everybody's bet. There are certain people, though, when they bet, you have to assume that they, they've got that knowledge as well. And so the way they're betting is a valuable tool because obviously it's contributing to the handle and it generates business. But uh, you've, you've got to respect those opinions and utilize it as a tool. Now, again, this is not a critique uh, by any means, but frankly, there are, are, are operators out there that, that don't want that kind of business. Uh, we would prefer to have that kind of business because it's also knowledge and it's uh, it's good insight and intel. So uh, the way we try to find out is, uh, we we've, our, as a staff, we we're, we're always monitoring uh, reports. Uh, anymore, you've got to you know get on social media, right? There's a lot of things on social media, and then you've got to discern what's accurate and what's not. Uh, if there's a real question on a particular, on a, on a, on a player, let's say it's a, in, in, a, in a football game, mm-hmm. uh, a quarterback or a running back or a key receiver, or in the case of, uh, you know, the, uh, the NCAA tournament, uh, where, you know, there's a key player that, uh, you know, that's not 100% or, or, or may not be playing, uh, you could always hold up on that game. What I mean by that is suspend wagering just temporarily until you get a better read or find out and get confirmation as to something like that that happens. But certainly the flow of information is greater today uh, than it uh, than it was at one time. And we're talking with Vinny Maliulo again. And it's, you know, I, I guess there's that old phrase where it's it's kind of the, the public bets teams and the pros bet numbers. You want to explain that for people who kind of aren't familiar with that? Yeah, well, you, you, and what, what I mean by that, Mike, um, and it's a, it's a good point, and it's, uh, it's an important point for, for folks to realize. And, and it's not right or wrong. It's, it's, it's simply a matter of, you know, it, for instance, in Detroit, uh, you know, Detroit Lions fans, uh, Tiger fans, you know, uh, Red Wings fans, they're, they're going to bet, you know, the, they're going to bet on their home teams. They're going to bet on the Pistons for the most part because they, they, they're fans and, and they feel a loyalty to that. What professionals will do is say, you know what, um, I don't think uh, that this particular team, uh, even though I live here, is playing real well right now, and I think there's value on, on the other side. Professionals will look at situations, you know, uh, is, it, is, it, is, the team, is the home team coming home after a long road trip? There's a lot of pressures on players coming home off an extended road trip right when they get back, mm-hmm. back in town. And, uh, you know, you might get a team that's coming in that's uh, very fresh. They might have been off for a couple of days and, and just literally, you know, almost lying in wait or they had an easier uh, game the night before or the, or the week before, depending on the sport. And so 
pros will 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 focus in on numbers and the situations surrounding those numbers, whereas uh, the casual fan will say, "This is my team, and I'm going to back them." You know uh, what pros will be? You know pros will be fans of the teams that they have action on, and that'll vary from day to day and week to week. Well, and it's, it's something I've always wondered, and I, I don't know if you can pin it down because obviously each game has a different level of action on it. But look, you, you see at the time of this taping, I mean, Belmont came out. They were a pick them in their game against Temple. Time of taping, it's out to three and a half. Or you look at Yale, they were 10-point dog. Time of taping, it's seven and a half. Right. How much money does it take to move a line to three points? I've always wondered. Great, great question. Um and it, it ties into uh, the topic we, we were just talking about, about professionals and uh, casual fans. Uh, it, what we have in our businesses, uh, uh, there's a term that we use and, it's, uh, and, and we abide by, is booking the faces. So, you know, uh, if, if there's somebody who's a professional, uh, they may bet, you know, half of what a, a good casino customer or a, uh, you, know, a, a, you know, somebody who's betting casually will bet. So... Classic example, you know, we have a lot of uh, other options uh, here in Las Vegas. You know, you have good casino game uh, players, right? So you might get somebody from uh, from the uh, casino from the pit who's you know betting five thousand a hand in blackjack, and they uh, they come to the book and hey, you know what? Uh, you, you, you used uh, uh, Yale as an example. I'm a Yale alum. I'm, what what can I bet on Yale? Well, you can bet you know ten thousand. Oh, okay, good. I'll bet ten thousand. So you know what? But if if the sophisticated player comes up. I might leave it there. I might move it a half a point. Right. But if the sophisticated player comes up and A bets that side, it's an immediate move for me, and I'd probably move it a full point. Uh, or if, if he bets uh, the other side, I'm just going to leave it right where it is based on uh, your bet uh, uh, or his bet or the casual player's bet. So it depends. It's not only the amount it's who. when it comes to moving numbers. It's who made the wager, and when did they make that wager, and how far in advance. So you, you brought up a, a, a good example in the case of the Yale-LSU game where the games moved three points. Yeah, It moved very quickly because the majority of that action that came in was professional action, and uh, it'll, it'll, it has stabilized, and now as we get closer to game time, and that game is a, uh, a 9.40 Pacific start uh, tomorrow, uh, I'm sorry, on Thursday, uh, then you're looking at a situation where that's kind of stabilized. It may come back the other way, and the numbers will move a lot slower. All right, a quick break just to talk about our launch sponsor. It's the D Las Vegas. You're looking to get away, relax, have a good time. D Las Vegas has everything you need. I mean, hell, we're there every March for March Madness, and as I've said before, there ain't no better setup. On the strip, off the strip, it don't matter. Go to the D. Go to that chalet upstairs. It ain't nothing better. Bottom line, next time you go to Vegas, check out the D.com. Completely renovated. Downtown is not what you remember. Hell of a lot of new places. It's, it's a damn good time. There's really no other way to put it. And again, the D has everything you need. You're not going to spend a ton of money on the room. Take that money and go do fun things with it. Do what Sully does. Make a bunch of losing basketball bets. Or, well, or for Sully, fall asleep on the horse racing machine on the second floor vintage casino. The bottom line, the D's got it all. They got the sports book. They got the long bar. They got it all. Check it out. The D.com to book your stay today. It's the D.com, the D Las Vegas. And as you know, it is your home for Detroit sports in Vegas. 
So what what bet amount constitutes a serious better? Where where someone you at least let's say over the course of four days you begin to pay attention to if they come to your book and they start firing on games. What's that bet number that would uh, trigger your attention? It depends on the sport, but I try to be respectful. I, listen, here's the thing, Mike. You know, people come up and and this is the ultimate uh, area where people put their money where their mouth is. They back their opinion with their cash and. And you, you always respect that, whether it's you know five dollars or, or you know or five thousand. But it depends on the sport because you know different sports have different limits, mm-hmm. and this is obviously one of the events that has very high limits. Um, you know, if I see somebody who's you know obviously you're going to pay attention to the five thousand, ten thousand, twenty, fifty thousand dollar wagers very closely, but you also want to pay attention to to that individual that's coming up and maybe betting five hundred or a thousand dollars at a time, and they and they're and they're betting, the, you know, certain moves, or they're betting certain numbers, and they're and they're having success in doing so. Are they are they are they also betting uh, first halves and half times? Are they betting in game, which oh. has become uh, an extremely popular? It's actually the fastest growing area. Oh, oh Vin, Vin, I got your number one customer sitting across from me, my producer, Mike <laughs> Sullivan. His middle name is In-Game. It's I an- cannot wait for this weekend. <laughs> All the in-game bets, you get a flow for the game, it's great. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a great point you bring up. Because <laughs> a lot of times, as a, as a better, now here's your, here you have an option, right? You can bet a game, you know, before it starts, great, you know. Uh, but now you can actually uh, augment your opinion with in-game wagering, you know, say, look, I really like my selection here, and I think I made the right call, and this team is really, I think they're going to dominate the entire game. Or you might start fiddling around with the prices. If, uh, you know, you see a game where, you know, teams are going on different runs, well, then you can kind of, you know, get middle uh, middle some numbers and things like that as well. So, uh, it, you know, I give credit to the folks that are, uh, that are betting these in, because you have to bet very quickly also. It's not like you could sit there, uh, you know, pre-flop, so to speak, before the game starts, and you have plenty of time. Oh, right? make your head you know, explode! You've got it. Yeah, you're, you're you're sitting there, and you're going, "Wow, look at this!" Well, well, you're doing that on one game or or a couple of games. Well, we're 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 going to be, uh, you know, have in-game on all these games simultaneously. So we have actually folks dedicated strictly to the in-game. And again, as I mentioned, it's because it's one of the it's actually the fastest growing area of our industry right now. So March Madness is insane. It's why we love it. Okay, even though it it causes you to probably take five years off your life. It's just the crazy endings, the bad beats, the insanity. So here's my question, Vin. Are you at a point in your career where for self-preservation and stress management, you just turn your back on the endings of these games and you go, I'll just check the score? Or do you sit there living and dying knowing what you need to happen versus what's about to happen on that screen? You know, Mike, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good question. I, I try not to get emotionally involved because I know this. Um, if you know, there are going to be there are going to be uh, games that uh, that the house wins. There are going to be games that the public does better on, and the pet, uh, the public wins. But I've learned this. First of all, you have to like what you're doing, and if you live and die on every basket or every game, you, you'll you'll have a very short career. Know this: uh, the math. Is in the house's favor mm-hmm. that if folks win, you pay them with a smile because they're going to reinvest. There's very few people that are going to cash out a ticket uh, at the you know at the end of the day and not walk past 
all those blinking lights and all that felt uh, that uh, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's around the casino. So to me, what I focus on is the overall property experience. While if uh, the book has a good day, then uh, you know you pay. You know you, you you don't gloat either because you know what? Like I said, uh, respect the people for putting their money where their mouth is. Put on a good, uh, put up a good product. Put on a good show. Let them enjoy themselves. Uh, certainly, we're in the business to make money. Don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day. Uh, which is really at the end of the year, we're we're going to be we're going to be just fine. But it's also about the overall property and how it does to the property and for the property. And you know, you look at Las Vegas this this coming weekend, another weekend where we're going to have over three hundred thousand people in town. That's a boost for the for the entire economy. So I I focus on that, and I think that that certainly helps. Uh, that, that, that definitely helps from a sanity perspective. Is there is there one game or one day that sticks out to you that was just a bloodbath for you, where you go, yeah. oh my god? <laughs> yeah, worst uh, worst uh, beating I ever took as a bookmaker, uh, Tyson Holyfield won. Uh-huh. Uh where the where Mike Tyson opened as such a prohibitive favorite, and it depended on where you were in Las Vegas, but there were some places that had. Uh, you know, uh, Tyson as a, a, a 20 to 1 favorite. Uh, I remember I was at Caesars at the time and I opened them high. I didn't open them that high. I opened them probably about 15, 16 to 1. And I'll never forget that. Uh, no, I actually opened them uh, low for, for that particular time. I think I opened them like 8 to 1. And I'll never forget the first bet that we took was a six figure bet on Tyson. So they were laying the favorite, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what, something tells me, and it was a regular customer, a guy I knew from Chicago, really a good, a good customer uh, and a respected opinion, but I, saw, I said to myself, you know what, something tells me that we're going to get plenty of Holyfield money on this fight. So I, ne- I didn't even move it. I didn't, he, he, he put up, uh, he laid eight to one for six figures, and I left it. Well, that fight closed about two to one. Mm. I mean, it was such a move to uh, to Holyfield, and of course, you know we know that uh, what happened in a fight, and Holyfield wound up winning the fight. So uh, it was uh, it was uh, it was a memorable event, uh, you know, and uh, you know it was it was a, but again, it was great for the uh, you know it was great business for the city. It was uh, terrific for the property at the time because there was a lot of business. But uh, that one was uh, that was the the biggest single loss that I uh, that I, I can remember that uh, that uh, first Holyfield Tyson fight. What are your uh, what are the book's biggest liabilities for Thursday and Friday for the tournament? I mean, like the games where you go, huh? If this doesn't go our way, this one's going to hurt. Uh, well, you know, again, it's uh, it's still uh, pretty early as of this uh, airing, guys. But uh, there's definitely been. Uh, uh, a lot of support. Uh, you know, years ago, it used to be very predictable. The general public bet on favorites, and right. uh, uh, the sharp action came in on the underdogs. But the public's getting involved with some of these favorites right now. You you mentioned uh, LSU uh, and Yale. Yale uh, Yale's getting support there. Wofford. Wofford, everybody was all about Wofford and Belmont getting in the tournament. Well, they're, they're back in both of those two teams. Of course, Belmont's got to be in the playing game. Uh, so you, you, you're seeing uh, uh, backing there. Uh, you, you've also got Duke. Duke has been popular uh, from the beginning of the season. Right. Now they're waiting for a, a playing opponent as well. But they were back before the season on the future book. They were back during the season, and of course, you know, with the Zion Williamson back now, uh, they're definitely uh, getting getting a lot of support. Um, 
North Carolina's gone back and forth. Uh, you know, the, that game got up to 25, and uh, there was buyback for Iona. Um, Cincinnati is getting some uh, some support. Right, Oregon getting uh, plenty of support with their current form against Wisconsin is also getting quite a bit of... I don't know whether I should be terrified or not, because you, you mentioned two of the games I'm looking forward to playing. Is I looked, I mean, I, I know Wofford's a good ball club and they shoot the three great, but I'm going, wait a second. You're starting to lay points to a Seton Hall team that is playing good basketball, exactly. better conference. I'm going, I, I'm, I'm going to get butchered or I'm going to win the game by 10? Well, <laughs> I don't know thing, which. Mike, on, on the one hand, you say to yourself, well, look, you know what? If you haven't bet it yet, you know, it's tough to lay, uh, lay it now, right? Because it's already up to three uh, in, in most places. Right or and, and climbing, so you got to say, wait a second. Now it's interesting because when we put the numbers up on on Sunday evening, that game opened one, it went to two, and then went to three, and then uh, within an hour, uh, a gentleman walked up and said, "Give me Seton Hall plus three for for uh, for ten dimes." You know, eleven thousand to win ten thousand. So uh, that that we kind of know the, the the buyback threshold at this point with them, but yeah, uh, yeah I know. The other thing is, I would tell you too. You know, if you like a side, don't you know? Either you know, don't change it. Maybe that's where you say, look, if it doesn't come back to the to uh, to a lower number, let's say a one or one and a half, then that's that's where you have the option now to bet the end game, right? Because now you see how the game starts off, and you know, then uh, then you might get a better. Price. I'm just worried. By the time the plane touches down tomorrow, I won't get the three points with Seton Hall. But I just, you know, it's funny. It's it's Vin. This is why I do not bet at home. I come to Vegas to get my action and do my stuff. But like, you talk yourself in and out of things. I'm looking at it and I'm going, Oh my God, am I the only guy on the planet who likes Seton Hall? What am I running <laughs> into a buzzsaw here? Well, no, I can tell you there was a guy, uh, like I said the other night, who uh, who put up uh, eleven thousand on him. So you're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go down with the ship. You're going to be with. Uh, you're going to have some company. But uh, yeah, there's. Uh, but the, those, you know, those are the the games. But and there's really quite a bit of two way action uh, so far. Oh, you know, Iowa State's getting some uh, backing too, right? I mean, so there's. It, there really weren't as many. Hey, they don't belong in the tournament no. this year. Teams, but Ohio State. If there was one, maybe there was some. A little bit of question. Uh, I thought it was the weakest bubble I've ever seen because it was just a bunch of bad teams. It really was. Well, the St. Mary's result and uh, some of the, those like that really contributed to that, right, when you think about it, because otherwise that would have been a one-bid conference, the West Coast Conference. Right. right. Gonzaga had prevailed. Uh, so, yeah, as uh, championship week went on, you had a situation where as teams played themselves, that's why if you were above, if you were the Clemson's and NC State's of the world, mm-hmm. you were rooting for all the favorites. Sure, in, in not only your conference and your team, but you were rooting for the uh, for the number one seeds in the other conferences because basically, uh, same thing happened with Texas, right? You know, it just was a situation where, as uh, some upsets occurred for the number one seeds, uh, that that killed a few teams. I mean. Uh, you know, West Virginia went in a couple of games, especially that game they won against Texas Tech. They uh, they burst a few bubbles, no doubt. I got two two more for you, uh, and I appreciate your time. I, I look, Brent's a legend. We we, we love him, um, and I don't know if you can or are willing, but do you have a Musburger betting story that you are willing or able to tell us? Like, just because... oh sure, uh, Brent Brent <laughs> is great, and first of all, it's it's a thrill to work with him, but. I'll tell you one thing about Brent. Brent is, if he says that he likes something, uh, 
he bets it. He's he's a, he's a man of conviction. I mean, he's not just doing it for fluff or or touting or anything like that. So if Brent tells you, listen, you know, this is something I'm gonna I'm gonna look at. He he does it. In fact, there's times when we're on air and we go to commercial, and he's like, I'll be right back. And, and he's not going to the men's room. He's heading right to the <laughs> counter right behind me. So uh, and and that's fine. And people love it. It, it. It's good. He goes up and and he bets it. Um, he's uh. There was uh, he he actually has a position on a proposition, and he he talked about this on the air. Uh, we put up a prop in January on January thirteenth, and at the time Kansas and uh, Gonzaga were were still healthy. Yeah, uh, we put up Gonzaga, Duke, Michigan, and um, uh, Gonzaga, Duke, Michigan, and. Uh, Kansas against the field, hmm. and we had those four uh, as uh, uh, it, we had it up pick them minus one ten both sides, and we had a gentleman come in and bet those four for a hundred thousand dollars, and then we moved it. Well, Brent has since taken a position since the brackets came out that he took the field, yeah, and he laid six to five with the field because let's remember. Uh, you know, price has been adjusted, uh, but he's getting the, you know, he's getting Tennessee, he's getting Kentucky, he's getting Virginia, Texas Tech, he's getting a lot of quality teams there. Auburn's playing well right now. So Brent's uh, got a position right now on the, the field versus the four. And again, the four are Duke, Kansas, Michigan, and Gonzaga. So uh, there's his, but, but he's, uh, he's terrific. Yeah. He shares his uh, bets. He gets out there, and uh, if he says it on air, he'll go bet him. Uh, last one. It, it's something I discovered. Uh, I did a little research on you because obviously I, I listen around the tournament. And it's enjoyable, but I, I found out you're a horse guy uh, like myself, which is near and dear to my heart. I grew up near Saratoga. I know you're a oh, Be- great, you're, yeah. you're a Belmont guy, a King Umberto's guy. Fine, <laughs> but I wanted to ask you this, and it's it's not necessarily. We all know what's going on at Santa Anita is awful. But yeah. I was interested in your response from a business end of it with what the Stronich Group came out saying, because I feel like it's a bait and switch. I feel like they're going to have no business and, and no, no one's going to be running at Santa Anita. That's not good for your business. What what did you make of the statement they came out with last week and kind of just the state of horse racing at Santa Anita moving forward? Well, Mike, uh, you know it's 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 not just to to me. I mean, obviously, the the seriousness of of the situation at Santa Anita with twenty two horses having to be put down, and uh, you know now the controversy is it the track? Is it not? You know, uh, who's responsible? Is it the, you know are, are these unfit horses? And is that why there's you know the, the drugs and, and what's allowed and what's not? Um, what dose and things? But really, when you think about it, really, it's it's kind of across the board. It's it's an industry that's struggling across around the country uh, I would like to see a situation where we have more quality and in quantity I think you have an industry that's competing with itself really mm-hmm. and now with sports wagering in particular expanding let's remember there are seven other states besides Nevada now that have legal sports wagering yep and all other forms of wagering there's only two states in the united states that do not have any form of wagering uh, whether it be paramutual horse racing or a lottery and that's utah and hawaii um, now all that said people are smarter today too people are more educated today 
And when they look at the takeouts that they're going up against uh, at, at a racetrack, and you know the the chances of winning a race, uh, and, and you hope to have good fields, right? Because and let's face it, one of the problems, particularly in California, is this, is the small size of the fields. Well, obviously, the bigger the fields, the bigger the you know there's more liquidity in the pools, and now that'll attract people. Uh, especially on a, on a race like the Derby, but the Derby's an anomaly. Right? Yeah, it's that's, a twenty that's, horse that's demolition amazing. Derby, and it's there you go. massive. And everybody gets pools. involved in it, right. so that's great. But now you got a situation getting back to to what I was talking about, where people have so many other betting options. You're going to say, "Look, I got a fifty fifty shot. I'm going to maybe I'm laying eleven at ten on a college basketball game, right? But I'm also, uh, you know, I got a better chance of winning, and there's and there's frankly more value there." But then and what, what, what kills me is the strong, these are the same people who will run a 15-race card at Gulfstream right? and nine of the races. And, I, I mean, I, I go to Pegasus. I go to Gulfstream once a yep. year. Mm-hmm. I, nine of the races aren't bettable. I mean, I I yep. could sit down with you and we could have a drink and I go, Vin, I, I can't handicap this, right? So now they're going to tell me, oh, well, it's the cheap races that are the problem or it's Lasix that's the problem. Guys, yeah. your track took a foot of water. And it froze. It's there's something wrong with your right. track. That's if, it. You know, really, the PR move. Now, this is very expensive. What I'm going to say is is very expensive. So I'm not trying to spend somebody else's money because that's that's not what I would do. But when you think about it, right, you have a situation here. Doesn't it, does it make sense to say, look, we got to bite the bullet. We got to fix this track. We got we got to finish. We can't finish this meet. We've got to redo the track. Yes. And 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 make it better because the other thing, Mike, let's first. Just, that's where the Breeders' Cup is supposed to be. Well, that, that's why they won't go back to Poly, because they'll right? take themselves out of the Breeders' Cup pool. So, so think about this. Now you have a situation where, wow, the Breeders' Cup is watching. They're being very quiet now, but they don't think for one minute that they're not paying very close attention to what's happening here. And at some point, look, you know what? Look what's happened. You know, next year there's not gonna, Greyhound racing is going away. So what happens now with uh, with all the you know the the other the other side of this whole thing with. Uh, you know uh, what's what's right and what's safe for for, the, for these animals. So uh, again, not trying to spend anybody else's money, but by the same token, it's a situation where you got to look at you know the uh, the portrait, not just a snapshot, and how to fix this thing. And hopefully, they get it right because economically here for the state of Nevada, California racing is one of the the most important aspects yes. uh, for our for our racing business. You know, we do great. You mentioned Saratoga. You know, the Naira circuit is big for us in Florida, the Kentucky circuit in, in uh, Illinois, uh, you know, Midwest. But uh, to be honest with you, uh, you know, the industry the industry needs uh, Santa Anita to, to get this uh, situation uh, rectified. Oh, Vin, if Santa Anita starts looking at uh, winters in Ozone Park, that's a yeah. problem. A five-horse fit. No, I'm sorry. You're not getting any of my money on it. And I love playing the ponies. To me, I'd rather see uh, uh, several days if they have to cut out racing for. Yes. I'd, I'd, it's got to be about quality, not quantity, at this point. Yeah, they're I think all competing with each other. I we're think looking. we're just headed to like if, if they're gonna if they're gonna stay afloat in California. First of all, I don't know how they're gonna do this with you know no Lasix and all this other stuff. Okay, right. well then you better be prepared for a two day a week meet Saturday and Sunday. I think and that's just what they're headed to. And you want to know what? If they get two days a week, or if they get three days a week, and they're full fields, and and yes. you know that, then okay, I'm okay with that, yep. right? I mean, then look again. That that's the the quality compared to the quantity aspect of it. And I think people will adjust to it and they'll appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'm with it, Val. Well, I you know, I, I me and you, I, I could talk to you for hours about that stuff. But look, <laughs> I appreciate the time. Really looking forward to getting out there. Uh, best of luck this week. Hopefully, you get a few naps in. Okay. 
Same to you guys, and look forward. If you get a chance, stop by the South Point and ask for us, and we'd love to uh, chat with you. All right, you got a deal. Vin, Take appreciate care, it. All right, best of luck this oh, week. Oh, one other shout-out out there, guys, if I could. Yes. Uh, to one of your listeners uh, uh, whose daughter works uh, with us at the South Point. Michael Dattis, I know, is, uh, is a listener, and uh, all the listeners uh, in your area, we appreciate uh, uh, me. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to, to chat with you guys today and, uh, and have the, the folks uh, tune in. Hopefully they found it a little entertaining and informative, and uh, folks tuning in to VEASAN uh, from the South Point as well. So appreciate yeah. it, and uh, wanted to say hello to Michael, who's, uh, who's out there listening. Not a problem. Vin, take care of yourself. Take care, guys. Hey, Vinny, hey, Vinny right. real quick before you get yeah. off. Yeah. I, I got to ask you, any tips or locks to help us out this weekend while we're out there? I can't help you. Off the record, <laughs> any, any, any tips for me? I seem like I get killed every time I go out there with basketball. Well, do you have a good time? Oh, it's, it's great. <laughs> All right, so you're not getting that killed. But no, here's here's the thing. In my in my business, I I don't give a I I don't want to really care who wins the game. I just want to watch. Don't ask me who I like. Ask me who I need. That's see. That's, I like that. I like there that. There you go. That a baby. Yeah. Here here's here's the tip, Vin. Order another drink, Mike. There hey, you go. You know what? The best tip I could give you is just bet within your means. Have a good time. Don't chase. Uh, and uh, you know, just enjoy yourself. It's a lot of times folks uh, take this, uh, take th- these types of events, and say, "I'm gonna, you know, go all in, and I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna get at, you know, get, you know, get it all, uh, oh boy. win it all at one time in one day." It's a, uh, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Then appreciate it. Take care of yourself. <laughs> Thank all you, right, guys. All Thank right, you. talk to you, you guys. Bye bye. See you. Hey guys, Sully here, and I want to take a minute to talk to you about our friends over at Copper Craft Distillery in Holland, Michigan. Now, fun fact for you. I'm actually wearing a cool Coppercraft sweatshirt right now. I've been walking around the office getting all sorts of compliments on it. So not only are there, is their drinks great, but also they got a lot of cool merchandise you should check out too. But Coppercraft, I'm telling you, if you haven't tried their products, swing by your local retailer, your local liquor store, local grocery store, and try Coppercraft. Now, one of the first things you'll notice is the bottle. Beautiful bottle, beautiful presentation. It looks really, really nice. Get compliments on the bottles all the time. I've seen their social media, and when people are out and about at events, people love the way Coppercraft looks, and you're also going to love the way that it tastes. Coppercraft Distillery, whether it's bourbon, whether it's award-winning bourbon, by the way, their whiskey, their gin, even have vodka, they have a, anything you'd want to try, just give them a try. Coppercraft Distillery, Holland, Michigan. Check them out today. Well, nothing gives me more pleasure than talking about how lousy some organizations are. I have Hatchet with me. I've got Sully on the ones and twos. And many of you by request have said, hey, when is the next worst franchises in sports? Uh, Today. And don't worry. I've got a whole series of these guys, but I'm going to space them. We're going to go a few weeks in between. I don't want to do them all in a three-month period. I want you to savor the, 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 the shittiness of some organizations that are out there. So... This week, uh, David was kind enough to take the lead on research and did a very, very nice job. Um, If you haven't listened to the previous editions, go back and listen, okay? Uh, We have a grading scale, and we, we really deep dive into why these organizations are lousy and just how lousy they are ranked against their fellow inept franchises across all sports. Um, This week, we bring you one of my favorites, the Washington Wizards. Now, on surface, you don't think about them, and that's the biggest problem. When you have the geographic advantage of playing in Washington, D.C., just like New York or Boston or Chicago or L.A., etc., that is supposed to help you. And the Wizards, it has 
never helped. And there are some factoids in here, including one of the most damning that you'll hear during our ongoing series, the Chronicles of Lousy Teams. But I'm going to save it. Our four categories, in case you haven't listened. Uh, owner is a shithead index. On-field suckitude. Off-field embarrassments. And it, it, the intolerable level of the fan base, i.e., are your fans assholes. So here we go. I want to start out with well, what used to be the Polands, but now is Ted Leonsis. Now, you're dealing with two different levels here. The Polands bought the team and moved them to D.C. Construction magnates, if you will. Um, realized that the Capitol Center was dated. They had always wanted to build an arena in downtown D.C. They decided to build the state-of-the-art MCI Center. It broke ground in 95, privately financed by the Polands. That is a plus. So when I go into ownership, I am going to factor in the Poland's time along with Leonsis time. Privately financed arena, not publicly, you get a plus one. But Leonsis is the big feature for me. He is awful, uh, including many times going to the media and complaining and whining about how they're at a disadvantaged uh, that they're playing in a building that costs more than other teams. Uh, the Verizon Center deal he called the worst building deal in pro sports. Leonsis pays $36 million in mortgage annually on the Verizon Center. Wah, not my problem. Now, the Wizards' value, he acquired them for five fifty. They are currently estimated at $1.3 billion. You think anybody wants to listen to you cry? Like, is there anything worse than, a, than an owner who cries about money? Seriously. It just honestly. comes across as so unrelatable. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not saying your building deal is great. I'm not saying it's it's the best in the world. But when you have made $800 million, do you think anyone cares you got to pay $36 yeah. mil a year? Come on. What, what, what are we doing here? Now, Leonsis's biggest crime to me is Ernie Grunfeld. Ernie Grunfeld has been the GM of the Wizards before Ted Leonsis, all through the Leonsis tenure, I'm convinced Ernie Grunfeld will be there after Leonsis dies. I'm I, I'm convinced Ernie Grunfeld will be running the Wizards from the grave. He's already run them into the ground. But Grunfeld's 15-year tenure is absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah, it is. I mean, David, think about this. And you do a lot of the research for these, and I, I help you with it, but... Most GMs don't survive one failed rebuild. <laughs> Grunfeld's on his third. Remember, he he dates all the way back to putting together the Agent Zero, Gilbert Arenas, mm-hmm. Anton Jameson teams. Karan Butler. Do you realize that Ernie Grunfeld gave Anton Jameson a max extension at yes. age like 33? Mm-hmm. That was Grunfeld. Those are Grunfeld's teams that had guns in the locker room, the Javaris Crittenden disaster, right? He then tries to rebuild them again. John Wall and Otto Porter. And didn't didn't they trade the number five pick in the draft for like Randy Foy or something? Yes. Something totally absurd. Yep. Okay. So Grunfeld, two failed rebuilds. He is now on his third after signing the single worst contract in the history of Pro Basketball. I'm not kidding you. This John Wall extension that they signed, this is before John Wall got hurt. It was the worst deal in basketball. Mm-hmm. 
They're going to end up paying John Wall over $40 million a year. Now John Wall blows Achilles out. You, you had them go out, and they took Otto Porter, and they traded him for junk. Mm-hmm. Like, Ernie Grunfeld is one of the worst general managers in the league. It's, it's, not, it's an inarguable fact. What like, I found interesting is that he's been there so long. He's the second longest tenured GM in their history. Yes. Bob Ferry was there before he's the longest one. He won a title for them in 78. Well, so that's understandable that he will be there long. Well, here, and this is where we're going to bring in the facts, mm-hmm. right? This is how terrible they are. So he's been there for 15 years. He's made the playoffs eight times. You go, wow, that's that's not bad. How about this? The Washington franchise has never won 50 games in a season. <laughs> Ever. Never have so much as won 50 games in a season. You want to talk treadmill of mediocrity? You got it. Now look, Leonsis, you know what I think of him. We got to do an on-field score for him. Then you go with, with the, the on-court stuff. Never won 50 games. Haven't won, what, won a championship 74-75 with Wes Unsell. That yep. doesn't even count in my world. And when you look at them, you want to talk the, the the treadmill of mediocrity. Look at the Wizards as an organization on the court. You allowed Michael Jordan to run your team. That's problem A1. B, you drafted Kwame Brown. All right, now we're off to a real terrible start. Have you had embarrassing draft picks? Have you gone out and really screwed things up? Yeah, how about these signings? And, David, this is a great job by you. You signed Jason Smith to a three-year, $16 million deal. The average person listening to this doesn't even know who Jason Smith is. <laughs> Center, Colorado State, who people thought could shoot threes but yep. really can't. Yep. They traded a second-round pick for Trey Burke, no longer with the team. They re-signed Marcus Thornton. I don't even know if he's in basketball. No, he's not. They signed Andrew Nicholson to a four-year, $26 million deal. Nobody knows who Andrew Nicholson is. Jan Mahimi. One of the worst deals in the league. He doesn't even play for the team. Four years, $64 bucks. The John Wall extension. The Otto Porter. How about Otto Porter? Otto Porter gets this poison pill offer sheet from the Brooklyn Nets, if memory serves me right. Yes. All Washington had to do is say, we're out. See you later. What does Washington do? They match. A couple years later, they're giving him away. It's never winning 50 games. I almost get more angry at teams that reside in the middle that have geographical advantages, and that don't get it done. I'm, I'm going to end up, when we go back through this, giving them a very high score for the futility index on court. Uh, attendance, how about this? You're in the nation's cap. And I know D.C.'s not as sexy as New York or L.A. or Miami, but you're in the nation's capital. You're in D.C. How about the Wizards have not been higher than 21st in attendance in almost a decade? And in many of those years, 27th, 24th, 23rd, you're talking a team that has no excuses, got a downtown arena in the nation's capital. That's completely embarrassing. You're talking about a team that's been bypassed by the hockey team in their city, which is only acceptable for cities with less than four sports or an original six city. Do we all agree on that? Oh, yeah. Okay. So you're talking on court a total disaster, and they have failed to be above the 90% seat sold mark since Wall joined the team. I mean, that's mm. utterly remarkable. 
Finally, the days are getting a little longer around here. Put those extra hours of sunlight to work by saving you more money. You can reduce your power bill with help from Power Home Solar, the number one residential solar provider in Michigan, one of the top solar installation companies in the nation. Power Home installs American-made panels, 30-year warranty, allowing you to own your power, not just rent it from the power company. As an official partner of the Lions, the company installed solar panels at Ford Field and Allen Park, and they seek to continue building a movement towards cleaner, greener energy by seeing if solar is right for your home. Go to PowerHome.com. That's PowerHome.com or give them a call, 1-800-SOLAR-15 to schedule your free solar consultation today. Don't rent your power, own it with help from PowerHome Solar. Off-court embarrassment. Does it get any more embarrassing than a player bringing a gun into the locker room? Or a fight on the team playing over a card game? Or a player who used to be in your employ, I believe, going to jail for murder? Yes. Javaris Crittenton. I think the Wizards may have the highest off-court embarrassment score that we've had yet. So, let's go back through these and then we'll end on the fan base. Let's start out ownership. I want to at least mildly consider the Polans did the best they could. And they privately financed an arena. Leonsis has only owned it for eight years. So I can't put 50 years or 20 years on him. But I will tell you that keeping Ernie Grunfeld employed on a scale of 1 to 10 on the owner lousy index. (sighs) David, I'm saying Ernie Grunfeld employment. I'm saying bitching about the stadium. And I'm saying the moves that you've signed off on, I'd put Leonsis at an 8. Even factoring in the goodwill the Polans had within the NBA, I'm I'm putting the Wizards is your owner a shithead index. I think Leon's is solid eight. Can we compromise at a six? No, <laughs> I think that's fair. Four, four and an eight, just meet in the middle, right? But I no, but 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 then you're suggesting that he's not terrible. No, Ted Leonsis is terrible. Now, it has to reside somewhere north of six and a half. Terrible is seven through ten. If you want to tell me he's the least of the terrible owners in the sport, fine. He's not Dolan, but he's he, I'm, I'm standing firm at a second. I, I, just, I just think that he hasn't done as bad of a job as James Dolan has comparing but we're not, franchises Right, here. but my point is Dolan's a ten. <sighs> David, come on now. Think straight. You're telling all right, now how about this? If you want to make a more credible case and I meet you to six and a half, you tell mm. me Leonsis has only owned the team for eight years. Nine years. Maybe that's the best credibility you got. And his team has made the playoffs some of the years. I'll go to a six and a half, last best and final offer. <laughs> okay. Six and a half it is. All right. Six and a half ownership score. Let's go to on court ineptitude. Franchise has been around for Jesus, 50-some-odd years, whatever it is. 58 years. 58 years, they have never won 50 games. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an embarrassment. Mm-hmm. I would argue being in the middle for all those years, and then the times you've been bad, you've done nothing with the pick, I can't say that they're average. I can't say that they're terrible. I kind of feel like we're in a gray area with Washington where on-field ineptitude should probably be somewhere in the six range. You've never won 50 games, but you make the playoffs enough to make people believe you're not total dog shit, but you don't do anything when you're there. You're never one of the best teams. You go through all these rebuilds only to end up 
horrifyingly mediocre. I, I will go with a six. I can't go higher, and I certainly can't go lower. I'll listen to arguments. I would say it's even a little worse than a six slightly, just because it's... I think it's it's worse to be in that middle ground where you don't have a direction. And this is something we've talked about a lot, but when you don't have a direction to either go one way or the other, trying to fully rebuild, tank, or, or where you're at a team where you're a title team, just to be in the middle and not do anything is... I think worse than and being just the same GM around for 15 seasons who has proven multiple times he can't get you to a better spot. Uh, I'll say six. Sully, where are you at number-wise? I would bump it up to right around a seven. Probably. Okay, David, where are you? Let's try to come to a consensus. I feel crazy. I'll go with a seven. I was thinking eight. Oh, my just God. Just because no. it's the NBA. Let's go off-field embarrassment. Off-court embarrassment, I'd go ten. Jordan, embarrassment. Kwame Brown's birth and the fact that he wore your jersey, embarrassment. (laughs) The fact that your franchise at one point wore teal or turquoise, embarrassment. The fact that you had a cool nickname, and I understand the reasons behind changing it. Let's not go there today. But you were the Washington Bullets. That was cool. It rolled off the tongue. The Washington Wizards? The Wizards? There are no Wizards in Washington. And even if there were, I wouldn't use it as my damn nickname. I think it's terrible. Nobody wants to see a Wizard. I will put the the Wizards at a 10 for off-field embarrassment based on uniforms, logo, team name, killing people, gun guns, just all of it. I will go a hard 10 on this one. I don't mm. think you can be more embarrassing. I would have to agree with the 10. I would. Just because of the Gilbert Arenas thing alone. I mean, come on now. A gun over a card game. I mean, I know it's 2008 when it happened, but you have to know the history of why they changed the name in the first place, and then you do that. Well, come on ex- now. Exactly. And I don't want to go down the other road. I, I mean, I would be in the nine, somewhere in the nine range. Okay. So you want, David, he's right. We don't want to make them the most embarrassing franchise ever. We haven't gotten to the Islanders yet. Right. Do you <laughs> exactly. Want, do you want to make it a nine? Yeah, I think that's fine. I'm comfortable I'm with fair a nine. With that. Now, the last one is difficult. Are your fans assholes? I've never heard a bad word about Wizard or Bullet fans. No. Now, we have to go all the way back to the 80s where they had the professional heckler whose name escapes me who used to wear the glasses and yell at people. That guy was definitely an asshole. Robin Ficker, a a staple of the 1980s. An attorney, a real estate broker, and a political activist. And a complete asshole. Who goes to these games and heckles. Well, used to. I don't even know if he's still alive. The point is... That has to be taken into account because when you have a professional heckler in your fan base, it's a, it's a scarlet letter for you to wear. But here's the problem. I can't blame Wizard fans for not showing up. Mm-hmm. It's a product that's horrifyingly mediocre. It's a product that when they believe, they get disappointed. And when they don't believe, they still end up, you guessed it, disappointed. I would put the fan base at about a four. I would I would be three or four, I think. Why don't yeah. we compromise three and a half? I'm not passionate about the stance on four. And a three and a half would take them to a total futility index score. Correct me if I am wrong. Leonsis ownership, six and a half. Encore futility, seven. We then ended up with a blistering nine of off-court embarrassment to land at what? 22.5 and a fan score of four. Gives us a 26.5. Where would that land? On our index of the worst franchises in sports, previous editions were the Knicks and Marlins. David. 26.5s put them at a tie with the Knicks first. 
the worst franchise. Marlins come in at? Marlins are last. They are 24. Well, well we only have three teams, but Dave. I'm saying, I mean, let's, let's calm down. I mean, I, all right. All right, thanks for listening as always. Please, for the love of God, get out there, download, subscribe, rate it, review it, do whatever you like, but we appreciate you listening either way. Take care, and we'll have another episode for you next week.